Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Green Bay Packers will enter the bye week with a 6-0 and record, defeating the San Diego Chargers by a final score of 27-20 to in a very entertaining yet very interesting game. We'll go over some of the particulars as far as statistics are concerned, a record-setting day for many of the San Diego Chargers but the only stat that is going to matter in the long run is 27-20 Packers. And, Matt, I'm not sure quite how they won, just looking at the box score. Yeah, I agree. This is one of those games that you come out not knowing exactly how to feel about it. You got the win, and I hate to be a spoiled Packer fan because we always win, and you don't feel that good about getting a win and going undefeated and, and being uh, having such a good record. But it's, yeah, you look at the box score, and even watching the game itself, you felt like you probably maybe even weren't even the best team yesterday a little bit but I get whatever I guess I mean you have fought through a lot of a lot of stuff and you, you still came out on top so that's what's most important yeah what a day for Philip Rivers and we'll get to some of the Facebook comments we had a lot of people participating and, and having a little bit of fun at the Indianapolis Colts expense which we'll also talk about today but um I had mentioned last week that I didn't think there was any chance that the Packers' defensive performance of the last uh, t- prior two weeks were going to sustain its- themselves throughout the rest of the year. And that certainly uh, reared its head yesterday, and they certainly weren't the same defense. They were getting attacked in a way that many teams have attacked Dom Capers' defenses over the years. Yeah. But I think it's a little bit misleading. The final numbers are staggering. These are three Chargers records, completion, 43 completions on 65 attempts for 503 yards for Phillip Rivers. Keenan Allen had 15, or I'm sorry, 14 receptions on 15 targets for 157 yards. Um, even Antonio Gates and Malcolm Floyd each having a 95-yard game. But Phillip Rivers only threw two touchdown passes. And as much as the Packers gave up a ton of yardage. It was the ultimate bend but don't break. They gave up 32 first downs, which is tied for the fifth most in franchise history, or I'm sorry, tied for the sixth most in franchise history. 33 is the record. That's happened five other times. But And they gave up 89 plays, which is the sixth most plays ever for the Packers, and it's the most they've ever given up in a game that they've won. But the thing I wanted to point out is Phillip Rivers only had four completions over 20 yards. By comparison, Aaron Rodgers only had 16 completions, but he had six over 20 yards. So yeah. they made them walk the whole way down the field. It took 38 minutes of possession, but they clamped down when they had to. And so, yes, they gave up a ton of yards, but this is how you play good defense in the modern NFL. When it came down to it, one for three on fourth down, they clamped down in the red zone, and they made the big one at the end. Yeah, and the the Chargers' game plan was almost... Like it was, it was kind of a, like a Chip Kelly sort of a thing, or where you're substituting the running for more of a, I guess, just typical West Coast, but in a modern sense, where you're substituting the running for these short passes, mm-hmm. and just did that the whole time. They completely gave up on the run game. I think they had 21 total carries and obviously 65 passing attempts, which was unbelievable. <laughs> That's insane. And they just, yeah, and they just seemed to quit on the run after a while. It, it's not like it was really not working at all but the passing game was just working so well they stuck to it and that's what they did so you're right I mean ultimate bend but don't break you give up that many yards but only 20 points and for a team to have to it's difficult for an offense to just dink and dunk all the way down the field and then still score that's that's hard to do Mm -hmm. so I I mean they played a good game plan against it I hate giving up that many yards and being frustrated watching the game like that you feel like your team's never on offense and you don't get to see Rodgers do his thing but it, it ends up working in the long run I guess 
Well, you had to expect somebody would try that. If it wasn't San Diego, it was going to be Denver because the Packers have been killing people with their pass rush. I mean, they were second in the league in sacks going into this week, and or, or they were two weeks ago. I don't I don't know what their ranking was last week, but you had to think somebody would have to do that. They still got three sacks, which is pretty impressive considering how quickly they were getting rid of the ball, throwing 108 yard passes. Um. It helped that Melvin Gordon, for some reason, after or what, with one year left in college, decided he's going to become a fumbler, and apparently yeah. he's kept that going. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really quite get it. He had one big run, but yeah, I, I feel like I should be more angry about this game than I am from a defensive standpoint. They played great on that final four-play stretch down at the goal line. Um, it was awesome for Demarius Randall to recognize what essentially was the exact same play on fourth down that the Chargers yeah. used on second down, made a break, made the play, and yeah, 500 is a lot of yards, but they only gave up 20 points, which is the whole point to defense. Yeah, I, I guess you can't complain. It's You kind of wonder, though, if, if this... You know, if you play a, a little bit better quarterback, not that Rivers didn't play really well yesterday, but if you play somebody who can gash you a little bit more, and you'd probably see some more points. But yeah, you're right. I guess it, it worked yesterday, and it worked against that offense. I'd, I, I'm a little scared at what this opens up going forward, but you, you at least get the win. Yeah, and the big thing, since the Packers are six and zero, they're playing. They're not playing that well, and they're still 6-0, and which we'll get into later. That makes me feel a little bit better than even I did in 2011 when they were creaming people and it felt unsustainable. But there aren't a lot of teams left on their schedule that can execute this game plan. I'm not sure if Peyton Manning's in a place where he can execute the Chargers game plan of yesterday anymore. Um, with some of the passes he was throwing behind people, that he had that pick six with Carlos Dansby. That was a horrible throw behind the, the receiver. So, so I don't know if he can anymore. I don't know if... Minnesota or Carolina or any of those teams have the talent to do that. But New England certainly can if you're looking way down the road. Right. Uh, Yeah, and and you look at the teams that have beaten the Packers historically, and that's not the kind of team that does it. They're the kind of team that since, like, 2008 has done exactly what San Diego did yesterday. Even with bad quarterbacks, like Kyle Orton did it to us 100 times. They put up 400 (laughs) yards in passing and still lose. So, I mean, it seems like we match up pretty well against teams like that. So, you know, to to hang on yesterday is a big one, and you did it against a pretty good team. So, you know, maybe that is a good sign. Yeah, just uh, once again to recap how great of a day that Phillip Rivers had he uh 43 of 65 for 503 two touchdowns he's only the eighth player since 1960 to attempt 65 passes in a game the 17th player in NFL history to throw for 500 yards and in doing so the packers became the first team ever to surrender 500 yards in three separate games all of them since dom capers has become defensive coordinator um ben roethlisberger in 2009 Matt Stafford in the finale in 2011, uh, Roethlisberger passed for 503 as well. Stafford passed for 520 in the 2011 finale, and then Rivers had 503 yesterday. And they were a fingertip away from winning all three of those games, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty. It was the, uh, the Stafford one was the one where Flynn threw six touchdowns, right? Yeah, Flynn had 480 in that game, so that's yep. <laughs> part of the reason why. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. So I, I guess, you know, maybe that is... That's not a bad thing for the Packers then to give up that kind of passing yardage. They still always seem to win those games other than a yeah, fluky Roethlisberger touchdown. Yeah, um, 
it's it's hard it's hard to describe uh, what we saw yesterday, but they weren't alone in that because Carson Palmer had like 450 yards and they scored 13 points. Yeah, that was a weird one. I, I, it really seems that once Roethlisberger gets back, we're almost identical to that team. It's like their defense is kind of the same. It's it doesn't look like they're that good, and their secondary is kind of suspect. But then they give up 13 points against a high part offense that throws for. You know, Palmer was close to 500. I don't have the number here, but it, it was, was four. It was 450 something. I thought I can I yeah. can look it up, but it was really close though too. Yeah, it's weird to see two games like that in, in the same weekend. We'll probably see keep seeing more of that going forward. But for two teams to throw for that many yards and look that efficient, but only put up 33 combined <laughs> points is unbelievable. Yeah, and that's kind of the modern NFL now. It's almost Big 12 football the way it's been so far this year. So Carson Palmer didn't quite have that many 421 yards. John Brown had 10 receptions for 196 yards, and they lost by 12 points. I mean, that's so... It's Landry Jones and Michael Vick. <laughs> yeah, which is so weird. I don't quite understand all of that. Um, but switching over to the Packers, who offensively, I, I said Rodgers had six big throws. James Starks had 112 yards on only 10 carries, a big 65-yard rush. But it's clear that they have some issues offensively. Um, I don't know. I don't know where to start with this. We've been talking about it the last couple of days, or I, I'm sorry, the last couple of weeks. But like they did against San Francisco and against St. Louis, they come out guns blazing. It looks like, hey, the offense is finally fixed. They're going to blow these guys out, and then they just go stone cold for the rest of the game. Yeah, and I think if he had watched the game yesterday, you maybe think the defense is the thing to take away from it. Like, man, we've got some problems here, but I agree. I think the offense put up some more red flags than even the defense did. I, I think the defense is better than it's been in years past, but this offense, I'm just getting pretty scared. I mean, you see Montgomery go down yesterday, and, mm-hmm. and he's not even a, a big-time role player at this point, but you need him really, really badly, mm-hmm. and you have already are so thin at receiver, have no deep threats. It's it's getting pretty frightening to, to think about what this offense could be, and it's, yesterday I was already thinking ahead to the divisional round letdown that we might see if if this offense kind of stays the way it is right now, I don't like the way that they've been held down the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't either. And a lot of fans and analysts are pointing to the return of Devontae Adams as the fix for this offense. And I talked last week that I was skeptical that, you know, we still know so little about this guy with how little he's played this year. You know, he, he was a, a solid role player, but, you know, We've seen other role players for the Packers that were more important uh, in other years than he was last year. And so to think that he's just going to come and turn things around. And what we saw yesterday, too, was the emergence of other things. So I don't know what Aaron's deal is, if, if he just is, is unwilling to – well, we, we've known for years that he's unwilling to, to throw into coverage, and I don't think he quite trusts these guys yet. But the fact that Eddie Lacy has struggled so much, and, and he had four rushes for three yards yesterday. And I know Starks was good, but – I don't trust Starks to sustain this all year long, and and for Eddie Lacy to just drop off like that, maybe he's still hurt. But not only are they running out of guys, but the guys they have, Randall Cobb too, are are just not yeah. producing at all. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm 95% sure that Lacy is being severely hindered by an injury at this point. He doesn't just get four carries. Yeah, if if he's not really limited. Granted, they had I, no plays. I mean, you, yeah. Starks is your leading rusher. With what, Even with Starks kind of getting the bulk of it, they had 17 carries and two of them were from Aaron Rodgers. But I, I think Cobb more so. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I was shocked yesterday. He had that, I think it was a back shoulder early on, that it's 
It's like, you're still not on the same page with Rodgers on that, huh? It's like yeah. James Jones comes back and gets that right away. And, you know, Jordy was, was perfect at it, obviously. Yeah. But it, it's disappointing to see Cobb in a game where you've got basically nobody left and he gets two catches for 38 yards and didn't look good doing it. Yes. Yeah. That was, uh, I think, was was really frightening for me because he's the guy that's got to step up and be it. And James Jones even, you know, two catches for 30 yards as well. Um, yeah. But, but Cobb's the guy at this point. He's got to be the guy, and he wasn't yesterday. So mm-hmm. if he's got two catches and 38 yards and Lacey's got four carries for three yards on average the rest of the year, this team's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, I said on Twitter yesterday that Randall Cobb right now is our Alvin Harper. And I keep hearing a ton about, well, they're double-teaming him. And, well, then beat the double-teams. They they were double-teaming Jordy Nelson once they lost Greg Jennings and once they lost Jermichael Finley. In 2013, they're doubling Jordy Nelson when Matt Flynn and Scott Tolzien are playing half the year, and he had, what, 1,300 yards receiving? If you're going to be one of the highest-paid players uh, at that position in the NFL, then get open. I don't care if you're double-teamed. Yeah, you're right. They gave him the contract. At this point, you're not the role player slot receiver anymore. Everybody else is out or down, and you're the guy that's got to step up. You're getting paid the big bucks. You've got to make something happen there. And to be that athletic and to be have that good of hands, but he just seems all of a sudden like he can't get open anymore. And I know he's gotten kind of banged up here and there too, but it's not really an excuse mm-hmm. for, for two catches and 38 yards in a big game. Yeah, and so I, I got some good and bad uh, that I wanted to talk about for the Packers offense, or I'm sorry, for the Packers as a whole, so maybe we can transition to that. Yeah. We'll start with the good. Um, Aaron Rodgers right now, despite his, I don't I, won't, I don't want to say so-so play, but he's not statistically up to the production that we're used to seeing from him, especially with the last few years that he's been healthy, but he's still on pace for 40 touchdowns and five interceptions, wow. which is ridiculous that's better than he had last year and yesterday he became the uh he got to 30,000 career yards in the fewest attempts in NFL history which is impressive um maybe more impressive is that the guy he passes Johnny Unitas that that record sustained itself so long wow yeah (laughs) it's pretty crazy so I wish there was more footage like broadcast footage of Johnny Unitas because just when his name comes up still as records that he held what at least 45 years since he was uh, a, a effective starter is is insane. Yeah, and to go off on that side note too, we talked about it when we did our top 10 quarterbacks list. You know, I've hardly seen any Johnny Unitas stuff, but I had to put him so high on my list because you look at all the numbers and he's the only guy from that era that's competed with with current guys. It's unbelievable what he did back then. Yeah, and uh, Vic Ketchman, who's uh, the, one of the writers for Packers.com, he's been. I'm trying to find a nice way to say he's old, but he's 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 been writing for a long time. He covered the Steelers, and he talked a little bit about Johnny Unitas uh, in anticipation that Aaron was going to break this record, and he said that Unitas invented stuff like throwing to the running back out of the backfield and, and the swing pass and, and stuff like that. So it would be really cool to see uh, some of his stuff, but um, there's not a lot of it out there. There's some of it when he's old, but I want to see like 1958 and right. stuff like that. Uh, the offense, so back to the good list. The offense is still fifth in scoring. Uh, they're a little bit down, but they're still fifth in the NFL in scoring. So we're used to them being number one and approaching record-setting numbers. And the fact that they're still fifth is very impressive. And the defense, despite yesterday, they fell all the way to 15th in yards allowed, but they're still third, which they were last week. So they're still holding teams down. And a uh, couple other things, James Jones is on pace right now for 16 touchdowns. I don't think he'll get that, uh, but he leads the NFL with six. But he's on pace for 1,130 yards. Wow. And yeah. th- Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so I have a couple others, but um, 
I'll just throw them out real quick. The defense is on pace for 61 sacks, which would obliterate the team record, which right now is 52 in 2001 when uh, KGB and whoever the heck else they had that year. <laughs> and then they're fifth, the fifth in the NFL in rushing and rushing yards per attempt despite Eddie Lacy's struggles. Yeah, and that, I, I mean, obviously there's things to point out for weaknesses, but it makes you feel kind of dumb really griping about this team too much because they're still, you know, doing all these things, putting up great numbers and are still probably, I, I would say definitely top two teams in the NFL right now. Yeah. It's just, we're so used to seeing it a certain way and seeing Rodgers do what he does and to, to see that kind of held down and see a defense give up, you know, 500 yards passing, it really dampens things. But when you look at it, you know, this team is really, really good. They're going to be there right at the end. Mm-hmm. And all those numbers you said really point to that. So it's frustrating, but I feel like if some, Fans of other teams are listening, which I know they are. They're probably just like, shut the heck up. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. we are very spoiled. It's like we just can't appreciate a team that's not threatening the league scoring record every year. I mean, that's yeah. just unacceptable. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm going crazy because I'm usually the naysayer who says their season's over when they lose Week Three at Detroit, and I, I feel really good about this team. Of all of the undefeated teams. Maybe Denver, but the way Peyton is playing, he's probably going to be that way for the rest of the year. The Packers are 6-0, and they've barely trailed, they've barely been threatened, and it's clear they haven't played their best. I'm excited. Yeah, in, in, in completely, like, bizarro fashion, I'm, I might be on the other end of things a little <laughs> bit here. <laughs> well, we're approaching 100 episodes, so it was time this would happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, this seems like... I know they're not undefeated, or I know they're probably not going to go 15 and one again. I mean to say, but I, I feel like this is a kind of a team that loses in a divisional round game again, from what I see right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It, it does seem like they're so much better than everybody else, which is the thing I'm hanging my hat on. It's it's like who else can really hang with them? Probably New England. Yeah. Maybe a couple of teams in the NFC can give them a shot. But just from watching this team week in and week out, there's just some things that really concern me that you kind of see throughout the year. And it's one of those years that they just kind of all come to a head in a playoff game. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm I'm not there yet. I think if I see them beat a couple of good teams, I'll feel good. But San Diego hasn't looked good this year. San Francisco's been terrible. Um, but they, they made beat, San Francisco look just that terrible. I mean, they they might have looked as bad against us as they looked against anybody. Yeah. I, but you let them hang in there, and they shut down your offense a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I guess I'd like to see them have some of those dominating games like they had last year, and maybe against some better teams. Because even the Seattle win, which was huge at the time, obviously, now Seattle is losing to everybody and losing to everybody at home. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I want to see them get a little more battle-tested yet because I think in games like San Diego and San Francisco, you feel like you can maybe let your foot off the gas a little bit, and I haven't been super impressed. Yeah, and I agree they're vulnerable, and I think they're maybe as vulnerable as they've been in other years when they were good, but they're vulnerable in new ways. So they're vulnerable because their offense isn't going to put up enough points, but... Here's the thing. When they were vulnerable in 2011, it was because their defense wasn't playing very well, and everybody knew their defense was terrible. There was no knight in shining armor. This this team seems vulnerable because the best quarterback, perhaps of all time, is not playing that well, and he's 31 years old. If he snaps out of it, who's going to beat this team? Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if he will snap out of it because, you know, if if there's a comparison right now, this is a this is the 2012 Packers with, with – with a much better defense and we were expecting that team to explode offensively and it never happened 
So it could happen this year for sure. But I guess after six weeks, knowing that there might be help on the way as far as receivers are concerned, I guess I'm not quite worried yet. Yeah, I, and I guess that's the thing. I, I would say probably this, as of right now, is the worst receiving core he's had since he's been here. Yeah. He's not, he's not comfortable with these guys, and that'll hopefully pick up during as the season goes on. You get Devontae Adams back, but I'm, I'm feeling very uneasy about this. The the offensive line it keeps getting banged up. Mm-hmm. Running game's not working like it was. I don't know. I, I definitely think that Rodgers will pick it up, but I, I don't know if the rest of it around him is as good as it's been. Yeah, and I, I think you could be right there. Um the encouraging sign was that I think TJ Lang, um, you know, he played yesterday and yeah, him and the whole starting offensive line played a hundred percent of the snaps. Uh, granted they didn't have many snaps <laughs> comparatively to what they usually have, but they were worried he wasn't going to play at all. And for him to play the entire game is a good sign. Yeah, that is a good sign. So let's talk about the bad. Now that I have talked about my optimism here. Yeah. And maybe I've already done all that. Maybe I can bring you back up here after you talk about the negatives yeah this is a this is uncharted waters for green and gold forever right now Lacey is on pace for 693 yards and three touchdowns right now which is that's alex green level stuff right now Uh, randall cobb is on pace for only 933 yards only four packers receivers have over 100 yards receiving for the season even though the Chargers hardly tried to run the ball yesterday, the defense is still 29th in yards uh, per average allowed. And one thing that has to be said is that the Packers, rec- the record of the Packers opponents that they've defeated, granted you have to play your schedule, so it's it's not their fault, but is 11 and 24. Even if you subtract the six Packers losses, they're still 11 and 18. Um, the encouraging sign is that their next two opponents are 11 and 0, but after that the remaining teams are 19 and 26. So there's not a lot of dangerous, scary teams on the horizon. But at least you get tested a little bit here in the next couple of weeks after you come off of a bye. You get guys a little healthy and then maybe really see what you're made of. Yeah, and who has Denver played and who has Carolina played? They're probably thinking the same things, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, all the Denver faithful and both Carolina faithful are probably sitting there really worried about the Packers because they haven't played anybody either. That was a really yeah, subtle I, day I, yet, the Carolina fans, by the way. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was just thinking about they might be, feel, be feeling pretty good about their win yesterday and feeling invincible after beating Seattle at home. But yeah, but I, I think everybody realizes at this point that Seattle's probably not Green Bay right now. Beating Seattle in Seattle this year is like kicking the crap out of Dallas in 1997. It doesn't mean anything. All uh, right. <laughs> well, Dallas was still somewhat dangerous, but ever you're like, this is the week. This is the week. This is the week. Uh, one of my favorite things, by the way, just to sidetrack a little bit, because we've used for years the Dallas-Seattle uh, comparison because they're incredibly similar from attitude to meteoric rise and now an accelerated version of the decline of the Dallas Cowboys. But I was uh, researching for one of the what-ifs, and I found an article from the the day that the Cowboys played the Packers at Lambeau in 1997. And there was an article that was picked up by the Journal Sentinel written by Skip Bayless. And this is 1997, and the whole article is, Green Bay sucks, it's a stupid town, all of the last two years when everybody thought the Packers were great is over today because Dallas is coming to Lambeau, the 6-5 and five Cowboys are going to crush the Packers, they're going to win all the rest of their games, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. And then Dallas got crushed by the Packers and never won again in 1997. So he's been a troll for 20-plus years. Yeah, wow. <laughs> 
which is yeah, it, it is really strange on how similar these teams are. And, and we kind of talked about it this offseason with Seattle. Like, you know, I, I think they're still going to be really, really good. And I had them in my NFC Championship game. But there was always that sliver of a chance. And I think we said this in the in our preseason show mm-hmm. that they could be a 7-9, and 8-8 nine, eight and eight team. Mm-hmm. And it's been hard for me to jump off of what I thought they have been. But, I mean, at this point, what, they're 2-4? and four? Yeah. It, at some point, they're just, they haven't been what I thought they were, and they still scare the hell out of me because they've got all the same players plus some. They're still young. It's not like they're an aging team and they're much younger than the 97 Cowboys were. Yeah. But it's, so I'm still scared that they're going to turn this around and there's still a ton of season left. And, you know, if the thing that's missing is fire because they've, they've done it, they've been to the Super Bowl the last two years, that comes back in the postseason if you have to play them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I'm, I'm certainly not writing them off yet either. Uh, yeah. You know, they have the capability to come back, but, you know, it's the same thing with the 97 Cowboys because they didn't just, they were 6 and 10, but they were 6 and 5 and then finished 6 and 10. So, or, or 5 and 6 or whatever. Um, I might not be completely correct there. Whatever. It doesn't matter. The, the key point is when you were watching back then, that's, that was the talk. And that was the fear of everyone because you're looking at like, well, Troy Aikman's healthy. They have Emmett Smith. They have their whole offensive line. They have Michael Irvin. They have all those great guys on defense. How are they not winning? They have to turn it around. And then they just don't. They just keep losing. And at this point, they, I mean, are they good enough to go eight and two down the stretch? That's really the only way they're going to make the playoffs. I don't, yeah. I don't know if they're even going to get in, which if they don't make the playoffs, I'm going to breathe a huge sigh of relief. Yeah. You've got a couple of other tough teams, but they're not what Seattle has been. No, and they still got two against Arizona. I'm sure they got some other tough games on the schedule. What they they probably well Dallas is no good anymore either, but um, they I'm sure that they have other tough games. So I don't know how this suddenly morphed into uh, whatever gross teal and weird blue forever, but that's all right. Um, so the Packers enter the bye week six and zero. People are uneasy, but they're still six and zero. So now in the NFL, it feels to me like. The whole league is like a college conference right now. Like, it is so strange to me because there's so many bad teams. Right now, there's only 11 teams in the entire NFL that are over 500. Uh, New York could fall from the ranks of that tonight if they lose to Philadelphia, the, the Giants. And then you have teams like Minnesota, who's only 3-2. and two. And then you have the Jets, who are inexplicably 4-1 and one with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know they have a really good defense, but, you know, who's the, who's afraid of them? You have Pittsburgh, who has Landry Jones potentially at quarterback. It feels to me right now like the Packers are in the Big Ten, and they're just trying not to stumble against, like, Purdue or Rutgers waiting for the Ohio State game. (laughs) It's weird. Yeah, that's a good comparison. And I I feel like more than any other years in the past, and things will change, obviously, but I I feel like you kind of already see what the playoffs are. (laughs) Yeah. You can pretty much lock in like four teams in each conference at this point, which is unusual. Yeah. You, you kind of know who everybody is, and there's going to be those teams like, like you said, the Jets or maybe the Bills or in the NFC, you know, whoever, mm-hmm. I, the middle of the road teams like <laughs> yeah. the Giants that are going to be around there right at the end. But you know who the best teams are. You know who's going to be in for sure already. And considering it's so early in the year, it seems a little unusual. Yeah, I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that four of the divisions are over. New England's winning their division, the Packers are winning theirs, the Colts are winning theirs, despite how terrible they are, yeah. and, and Denver's winning theirs. Those divisions are finished. Yep, it seems that way. And the AFC or the NFC West is going to be finished, too, pretty soon if uh, Seattle keeps uh, being so sluggish. Mm-hmm. 
so let's real quickly. So New England's five and zero. Cincinnati is six and zero. Denver is six and zero. Carolina is five and zero. Atlanta fell to five and one. So I guess we'll nix them for now. And the Packers are six and zero. Let's quickly rank the five undefeated teams. Um, I mean, we don't have to go detailed into all these, but how would you rank those five, real quick, off the top of your head? All right. So we got. Uh, I'm gonna have to have you read that off for me again here. But we've got we New got, England. I'm gonna put as one for now. Yep. They're really close, but I, I think they're just doing a little bit more and looking a little more dominant. I'll put Green Bay at two. Yep. Um, and so then I've got, what, Denver, Carolina. And Cincinnati. And Cincinnati. I'll put Cincinnati at three. And, oh, man, four is a tough one here. I've, I've been just hating on Carolina all season long, but they keep proving me wrong. And, and maybe that win isn't as good yesterday as I keep thinking it is in my mind. Yeah. Jacksonville, um, Houston, New Orleans, Tampa, two and four Seattle. That's what they've beaten. Yeah, I, I think I'll, it, it's close, but I'll put Denver ahead of them. I just think they're, they're pretty similar, really, except mm-hmm. Cam's, I mean, he's been a little bit more explosive so far, but that defense has been nasty. They've put up, I think I heard a stat yesterday that the offense has put up like 48 points this year and their defense has put up like 76. Are you talking There's Denver? Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so not surprised. I, um, that defense is really good. I guess I'll just eat uh, Denver ahead of Carolina. I'm actually going to agree with your rankings completely. Um Denver scares me, and we'll, with the state of the Packers offense, I don't know how much we will test that Denver defense, but that game is going to be interesting in that we have Peyton Manning versus Aaron Rodgers, and it could be a 17-14 to game, yeah. which, which is, is really weird. Peyton is so bad right now. We've used the 1999 Dan Marino comparison, and I don't know if that's fair to Dan Marino in 1999 right now. He he just can't do anything. He did lay out Dante Whitner though on a block yesterday. I don't know if you saw right. that. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah. yeah, he looks really bad though. I I love all the apologists though because I I heard uh, I was watching the red zone for most of the afternoon yeah. and who could blame you? That really nice pass down the sidelines to Emmanuel Sanders. And yeah, that pass I, was I, awesome. Yeah, whoever the announcer was was like, "Well, there you go for all the Peyton Manning haters." I think he already had like three picks at that point. Had <laughs> <laughs> looked terrible. It's like, yeah, I mean. At, at some point, you, you got to give the guy credit, but you also have to see what he's actually doing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, it's clear he's not what it is, and that's fine. He's he's really, really old. Mm-hmm. He's not the quarterback he was. Maybe he'll become a little bit better than he looks right now, but it's hard to imagine for an old guy like that as the season wears on, he's going to get better. I hate when announcers do that. If you made Steve Young go play for the Eagles tonight and he threw 45 passes, I bet you one would look like that. You yeah, know, and just cause it's that's weird it that they only seem to do this with quarterbacks, too. I mean, you've had the Andy Dalton apologists for, like, the last three years, too, that even after he blows that playoff game last year, they're all like, oh, no, everybody's picking on him. He's so good. It's like, no, he's not. I've watched <laughs> this guy so many times, and he finally looks good now, but um, but he hadn't been good, and it's it's okay to say that. It's it's like they're afraid to say anything negative about any quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be a thing now. You have to be really good as a different position player to get that kind of treatment. But I remember in like 2004 where Emmett Smith would like juke a guy for seven yards and they'd be like, they say this guy doesn't have it anymore. And just be like, <laughs> that's uh. one play. He's like 55 years old on the last 10 carries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, but I, and, and with Manning, he's had apologists forever. I mean, mm-hmm. he's had yeah, what? Yeah, that's true. Even when he was, what, 2-26 and 26 in the playoffs for his career. <laughs> yeah, still... exactly. It's not his fault. I mean, 43-8 to 8 when he threw 90 interceptions. You know, that's not <laughs> his fault. But, yeah. So, uh, weird, weird season. When I was looking at the schedules, 
I think that New England's going to go at least 15-1. and one. I know that yeah. sounds ridiculous to say, but they might stumble against maybe one of the Jets games, uh, maybe at the Giants, maybe at Denver. They're going to win all the others. Yeah, I completely agree. At this point, if I got decent odds on it, I'd put a lot of money on 16-0 and 0 for them, I think. Yeah. I, I don't think they're as good as the 16-0 and 0 team they had previously, but they're so much better than everybody else <laughs> yeah. in the AFC, at least, and they don't have to play Green Bay. So mm-hmm. I they're not a team that has those slip-up games, and that says a lot about Brady and Belichick, but they just mm-hmm. don't lose the bad ones, it seems. So, mm-hmm. I, man, you're, you're right, though. I, I think if they lose one game max, I'd, I would be really shocked if they lost two or more. Yeah, I agreed completely. And I was reading Bob McGinn's article in the Journal Sentinel about the Packers, and he said that, I can't remember what the cutoff point was, but in the last 22 games where the Packers were favored, I can't, this is a terrible uh, citing of a source here, but I think it was like by a touchdown. The last 22 times the Packers were favored by a touchdown, they're 21 and 1, and the loss is the Aaron Rodgers collarbone game. So the Packers always take care of business as heavy favorites, and looking at their schedule, if they win all of the games that they're favored the rest of the year and then split the rest where they m- might be a road underdog by a point or two, they're going to go 14-2 and two at least. Mm. Yeah, I'd say the same with them as New England. If they go any worse than 13-3, and three, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, I would have to take a lot of injuries or, or something strange happening. Um, I think, obviously, an injury to Aaron Rodgers and, um, real quick to backtrack, Injury to Clay Matthews would be devastating because he apparently is calling the defense now, too. He played 91 of 92 defensive snaps yesterday. The only other people to approach that were all defensive backs. And I know it wasn't his best game compared to the prior two weeks, but I think you can make, after how much we've we've questioned how good this guy was the last couple of years, I think you can make a legitimate claim that he's the best defensive player in the NFL right now. Wow, yeah, that's that's pretty lofty, and I think that pretty much anybody else would say no way, JJ Watt. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's right there. And when I heard an announcer say, and just I think I have this ingrained, but when I heard that announcer say yesterday, he's top two middle linebackers in the NFL. I was like, holy cow! Like mm-hmm. that's, that's an outside linebacker for, is top two a middle linebacker. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And I was thinking about it. It's like who would I put in front of him? That that actually might be correct. I guess. Maybe you take Keekly as an inside linebacker, but what Clay does is so much different than that too. That it's almost mm-hmm. it's it's almost a, a bigger asset to have something like that that's so versatile rather than a tackling machine like Keekly mm-hmm. that he can do all of these things: line up outside, inside, blitz even from the inside, linebacker, cover. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's really really coming to his own, and he's what he's got to be in his late twenties now, right? Um, yeah, I would say twenty eight, twenty nine, something like that. And, you hear about how he wasn't happy to move to middle linebacker, but it's it was a blessing for this guy. I mean, he was a really good outside linebacker, but this is exactly what he was meant to do, and he's he's perfect fit for what they have him doing right now. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. It feels like he was born to play this position that Dom Capers invented out of nowhere for him to yeah. play. Um, he, he will turn 30 years old on May 14th. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned J.J. Watt. Absolutely, J.J. Watt is phenomenal, and he's certainly in the conversation, but he's not making that interception to clinch the Bears game that Clay Matthews made. Right. Um, and, and he's probably not as good a pass rusher, but I, I, if you move J.J. Watt to, to middle linebacker to defensive tackle, I don't think he's um, maybe as effective as Clay Matthews has been. He got better moving out of his comfortable position, the one that he probably should have won Defensive Player of the Year in, and where he terrorized the league was a four-time Pro Bowler, and then he moves to to inside linebacker, and he's even better. That's insane. 
Yeah, if they if the the people who vote on Defensive Player of the Year haven't locked J.J. Watt into their ballots for the next 10 years, Clay might actually have a shot at winning that this year. If J.J. Watt gets Defensive Player of the Year this year, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, I really like J.J. Watt. And, and he's, a, he's a great guy, and every time he's got a million ads, and they're all fine. Uh, the new one where he's cheering on people as they go through their daily lives is a ton of fun. But that defense right now is... <laughs> Actually, they're way better than I thought they were. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm looking at last year. Yeah, I was going to say, no, they're not. They're 21st in points allowed. Yeah. I mean, that stinks. <laughs> so, I, I mean, at some point, is it just the, I'm going to call it the Will Shields effect, where everybody's like, he's the best player. The Walter Jones effect would be more apt, because what was that year that we had a magazine that said Walter Jones was more valuable to the Seahawks than Peyton Manning was to the Colts after he won an MVP? So it's getting to that point. It's the Walter Jones effect, where he's the best player in the NFL. Why? I don't know. You know, he's in a lot of ads. But, (laughs) yeah. Okay, anything else from yesterday that you found interesting? For the Packers game specifically, I guess. Uh, no, I, th- I think we covered it all. We did a great job. Yeah, we're, we're, we're the best. I, I guess nobody ever has to talk about this game ever again, right? That's right. I want to talk about that Colts play. I hope you stayed up late enough to see it. I, I didn't. wasn't watching it live. I had it on my tablet, but I missed it when it happened. But I definitely have seen the highlights since. I like can't even talk because I like laugh every time I think about it. It's, <laughs> it's the worst play I've ever seen. Um, Daniel Johnson found a, a link to somebody who made a... YouTube video of, or they they hacked the Tecmo one, which I thought they should have somehow, it it was super funny, Daniel, and I'm glad you shared it, but somehow they should have rigged it so that the Tecmo, like, defense reads the play effect would have happened, and just totally obliterated him and threw him back 10 yards, but the, the best thing, too, was Chris Collinsworth was, like, so angry that it had even happened, and he was talking about it forever, and then Al Michaels, when they'd show the replay, would start laughing. He couldn't even talk about it. It was the worst play I've ever seen. Yeah, I wish I would have seen it live, and I have no idea how that... I, I can see how that gets onto the field, but for that guy to snap the ball, I, I can't believe that, that happened. Well, and the fact I, that I it was illegal formation, look. too, so it could not have worked. It's, yeah, at its best, it didn't even work. I, I don't know how that would have possibly happened. I don't know how a person with a brain snaps that football with four people in front of you. I don't understand how you think that's the right thing to do. And the guy behind him was so shocked that he did it, too. I feel really bad for him because he's included in this. But he, you could tell as soon as he got the ball, he's like, what the heck are you doing, man? Yeah, it was it was really bizarre. Well, and the thing that I love about it the best, and uh, Daniel Johnson brings up a play uh, I actually didn't remember, but the Redskins in 2009 apparently tried the same type of play, and it was disastrous. Uh, Hunter Smith had to run around, and he threw like a Hail Mary pass that got intercepted. But this one, the thing that makes it so hilarious for me is it was like over in like one second where he just gets it and then six guys knock him over. Like it wasn't even running around. It wasn't something wacky that would even be good for blooper reels. It was just snap dead. It was the best. (laughs) I I wish I would have seen it live. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Mike Florio of pro football talk said that he thought that Chuck Pagano should be fired because of that play. Like that play is going to ruin Chuck Pagano's career, and even unless they go to the Super Bowl, that this play is going to ruin his career. I think that's a little bit strong. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I'd say it's going to ruin his career, but it seems like they've been looking for a way to kick this guy out now for for at least a year. So now if they don't make the playoffs, or even if they do, I, they can point back to this and basically say, look at what this guy did. Like, we need to make a change. He, he was the one who ran this play. 
Yeah. And I guess if you get fired from that job, it's tough to get another one. So I, I yeah. wouldn't say one play ruins your career, but in essence, you know, it could stop him from getting another coaching job if he gets canned. I'm telling you, they got to talk to Norv Turner. He's He knows how to <laughs> just be terrible for years and years and still get rehired. So, yeah, but th- very strange. And then I don't know if you clicked on the link that I shared on the Facebook page about the, the funny memes that had developed from the Colts uh, play. My favorite was the photoshopped banner that they are hoisting up to the top of the stadium that says yeah. attempted worst play in the history of Saturday Night Football. <laughs> Just fun. Yeah, it has to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we're running a little bit long here, so let's just uh, make our picks here. And, Matt, if the Eagles win, I'll be able to somehow get a tie with you for this week. We didn't do as well as we did uh, in previous weeks, but still – Right now you're 55 and 35. I'm 58 and 32. Which, if we were picking against the CBS Sports experts, um, you would be better than three of the people and tied with somebody else, and I would be in tied for second place. And we pick on Monday before we've even seen the Monday night game or seen any of the injury reports. So clearly we're doing pretty well this year. Yeah, and I don't even feel like we're doing as good as we normally do. I feel like we're, we normally have a bigger disparity than that. Yeah, So, uh, but after the game tonight, if uh, the Eagles win and the Giants lose, I'll have a four-game lead. Uh, if the Giants win and the Eagles lose, I'll just have a two-game lead. So All right. things are heating up as we enter Week 7. All right, so the Seahawks against the 49ers. This was the marquee game in the NFL a couple years ago. It's now on Thursday Night Football, and uh, we have the opportunity to perhaps see some really bad offense. Um, this, this is a tough one now. I'm going to pick Seattle, I think, still. I'm not ready to completely give up on them, and this is a game they know they're going to have to have. San Francisco looked, looked decent, I guess, yesterday, but, um, and it's, it's in San Francisco. It's going to be a tough one, but I'll pick Seattle. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I still think they're better than the 49ers, and some of San Francisco's, or, um, I'm sorry, Seattle's losses have been to some good teams. You know, they lost to two teams that are undefeated, so, um, I'll agree with you. Buffalo at Jacksonville, I think, is exclusive to Yahoo Streaming. Uh, the first time they've done that, I hope it's a horrible failure because I don't want to get to a day where the only chance I have to watch a Packer game is on my iPad. Yeah, it's even for the local markets. Um, that I don't know. I w- I would think not, but um, I, it's not like this game's going to be on national TV anyways. Maybe that's why they picked it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll I'll take Buffalo though. I I don't know. This is probably a game that Jacksonville sneaks out at home, but. It's not. Buffalo's. Oh, I'm sorry. It's in London. That's why. Oh, in London. Well, that makes sense. Well, it's practically so, Jacksonville's home. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, Buffalo's good every other week, so this is the week they're good. So I think they're gonna win. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick Buffalo because I think they're a better team. I've picked Jacksonville trying to uh, outsmart and think an upset, but it's come back to bite me almost every time. So I'll I'll pick Buffalo as well. Yeah, just weird. I. Do they think – I think they have those ads where people are walking around the grocery store watching complete games, cheering at the, the aisle in the grocery store, and they think that's real life. So I don't I don't know why they want to just stream a game. They must. Yeah. Goodell's like, do you see what's going on here? These people are really getting into this. They love NFL football so much that they don't stay at home to watch the games. They have to be watching other things and then holding their phone up to them all the time. Which, by the way, unless you have a massive data plan, you'll basically ex- – you'll blow through your whole data plan by the third quarter. But whatever. Cleveland at St. Louis, which was a great, uh, well, the Rams. They weren't St. Louis then. But Cleveland against the Rams was a great series of NFL title games back in the 50s. Now, not so good. 
Yeah, and this is one of those games where I'm completely split, so I'll just pick the home team. They're like identical teams, it seems like. Yeah. Um, pretty Sucky? good defenses. <laughs> kind of crappy quarterbacks. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll take the Rams. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you for most of the reasons you said. I'll, I'll just take the home team. And Cleveland put up some fight yesterday, that which they do from time to time, but um, yeah, this could go either way. But I'll, I'll take the Rams. Ugh. Minnesota at Detroit. We're going to get this game for sure. Yeah, gross. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> who cares at this point with those yeah, teams? Yeah, who, who cares? Neither of these teams are going to make the playoffs. Um, I'll, I'll take the Vikings. I think even though Detroit won yesterday, they still look pretty bad. Yeah. I, uh, I think Minnesota's a little bit better. Yeah, I don't think Minnesota's all that good, but they're definitely more disciplined than the Lions, so I'll take the Vikings. Um, I, I realize I just let you pick four in a row, so I'll start picking first a couple of these times here. Houston at Miami. So I picked Miami to go to the AFC title game, and then last week I picked against them against the Tennessee Titans, and then, of course, they win. Um, at home with Dan Campbell, which I couldn't believe it was the same Dan Campbell that was a, I know. like backup tight end Dan Campbell. That's weird. <laughs> Yeah, I looked it up right away as soon as I heard he was interim. I was like, is that the same one? It's like, it seems like it should be because he's in the NFL, but it's like, is that guy really a head coach right now? <laughs> the only thing uh, I remember about him is punting his helmet during that uh, comeback 49er playoff game in 2002, and he almost nailed some dude right in the face. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember of his career. <laughs> I, I do not remember that. I just remember being like an average tight end for the Cowboys and the Lions. Yeah, and, and the Giants before that, so... Um, I'll pick first here. I guess I'll pick Miami. They looked like they were better yesterday, and from what I've read, they seem to be buying into Dan Campbell, and I don't trust Houston at all. Yeah, same here. I I think they're – I don't know what Houston has to offer. J.J. <laughs> Watt. Yeah, that's it. I mean, they're 2-4 and four somehow, but they, they've they got DeAndre Hopkins, who's playing unbelievably well, yeah, that's but that's, that's pretty much it, and I, I think Miami's just a little bit more well-rounded. Quarterback plays better. Defense is better. Receivers are better, probably on on the whole. So I'll take them. Yeah, agreed. New Orleans at Indianapolis. The matchup between uh, two teams that I always think are going to be good and then never end up being that good. Um, oof. I don't know. Indy played better than I thought they would against the Patriots, and they're at home. And the Saints, ugh. the Saints could come in there and beat them thirty-eight to twenty, and I wouldn't be surprised. But I'll take the Colts. Yeah, I will too. And the Colts, although they they had that big uh, mess up last night, they they'd hung in with New England before that. And they looked pretty good in the mm-hmm. first half, and then basically once that happened, they just seemed to kind of fold. Yeah. But they at least showed a glimmer of looking pretty good, and the passing offense worked at times. So I think even that's good enough to beat the Saints right now. Yeah. Pittsburgh at Kansas City. Now this will be a difficult one for us to pick because Michael Vick yeah. is injured. He probably won't play. But there's a outside chance that Ben Roethlisberger could play. Uh, but we'll stand by our pick on Monday. Um, Kansas City's just a disaster right now. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I'll, I'll take Pittsburgh because Kansas City is terrible. Now that they don't have Jamal Charles, they don't have hardly any options on offense. So I'll reluct- hopefully Ben plays or something. I, I, I don't care. Whatever. Reluctantly, yeah. I'll take Pittsburgh. I'll reduce the risk on this one for you, too, and take Pittsburgh as well, just because uh, Kansas City's so bad, and without Charles, they're nothing, basically. Yeah. And a Pittsburgh defense that, although they've been limited, is, is still helping them win games, and 
and beat a very good Cardinals team. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's going to be tough if Landry Jones has to start after a team has a full week to prepare for him. But he looked pretty good the other day, so I'll take them. Yeah, he wasn't too bad. And like you said, Arizona's a solid opponent. So for them to be able to do that under those circumstances, I thought Pittsburgh was overrated. Uh, coming into the season so many people were picking them to go to the Super Bowl and I thought their defense would just be a train wreck and I didn't expect their offense to be as good as people were talking like they were going to break records and I don't think they're going to get to that point injuries have helped um, hold them down but I think they're a pretty solid team they're better than I thought they would be yeah I thought that secondary like you said was going to be really really bad but they've been good enough I mean they they got torched yesterday but you only give up 13 points then what does it matter I guess yeah exactly the Jets at New England. Um, I'll take New England. I think the Jets have to come plummeting to earth sooner or later, and what better spot than Foxborough? Yeah, I might want to take an upset here if it was in New York, but I think this one is all New England. Yeah. Tampa Bay at Washington. Uh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh you're you going to watch this game? You excited for it? <laughs> I kind of want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I, yeah, I don't know. This is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yuck. It's... <laughs> Who you got? Uh, I, I'll take the, the skins at home. Uh, they've, I don't know, I, I have no reasoning for it. <laughs> I'll take Tampa for much of the same reason. I think that if Jameis Winston somehow reigns in the turnovers, that this team's not that bad. They've been in a lot of these games um, other than the opener where they just got completely obliterated, but... I'll take they're both kind of the same way. Is they seem to hang in every game, but they just you know they're bad too. So yeah. it's like a perfect matchup. It could be an all-time classic. <laughs> I hope so. If if I had Sunday tickets, still I'd be all over that game. Yeah. I'm sure, especially on a Packer bye week. Better than freaking Detroit and Minnesota, which I'm sure we're gonna get. Let's watch this game. Yeah, Atlanta at Tennessee, and it sounds like uh, Marcus Mariota has got an injured MCL. This is a team that I've picked far too many times so far this year. Uh, I'll take the Falcons. Yeah, same here. The Oakland Raiders at San Diego. So the poor Chargers. Uh, Phillip Rivers is playing pretty well. They've lost at the goal line the last two weeks. Oh, real quick, a sidetrack that I wanted to talk about uh, during the Packers recap that I didn't get a chance to. Would the Chargers have gone for two had they scored on fourth down? So they would have been down, what, one at that point? One, yeah. They they would have been playing for the win against the Packers. Uh, I don't think so. They're, they're a team that probably felt like they were hanging in there and doing whatever they wanted offensively, so they probably felt like they had a decent chance in overtime. So Yeah. I don't know. Maybe somebody who hasn't been around the block a few times, mm-hmm. some up-and-coming team or somebody <laughs> just trying to get a win, but probably not them. Yeah, I thought for sure during the game that that would happen, but then uh, thinking about it longer... I mean, 500 yards passing, they had gone up and down the field in the second half, and I think the Packers had like five three-and-outs. So, yeah, I think you're right. They probably would have kicked it. Uh, will they kick the Oakland Raiders on Sunday? Yeah, this is tough. I, they're lucky they're going back home because this is a team that could feel really defeated after the last couple of weeks, and I think Oakland's decent, but they at least look good enough. I, I'm not quite sure I'm confident in Oakland yet. I guess I'll take the Chargers. Yeah, I'll agree. Uh, the Raiders are... I, I I don't really quite know what to make of them. Other than I'm so happy that Charles Woodson is doing so well yes, over there. Yes, he's doing awesome. I just want to watch more Raider games because of how good he is. Um, yeah, and you would think that, well, if he plays like this, maybe he'll stick around longer. But I guess coming into the year, you kind of figured it was his last, and you'd like to be able to watch some of those games. Yeah, and everybody suspected he was going to be a Hall of Famer anyways, but he's gone from 
you know, this time with the Packers probably clinched his Hall of Fame status, but the way he's played this year and the way he played last year is like now he's going to like first ballad marquee name in a Hall of Fame class five years after he yeah, retires. Yeah, one of the best ever. Yeah, and I mean he's getting he he's, he would have to play he'd have to have an outstanding year this year and an insane year next year, but. People haven't even gotten close to that Paul Krause 81 interception record, and he's got 63. I mean, he could yeah. conceivably, if he plays next year, could end up with 70, which is nuts to do that in this era where guys don't throw interceptions. Um, oh, man, what, what do they want for Charles Woodson? I'd give him anything at this point. Yeah, right. I'd take him back right now for a third rounder, even if he's only playing the rest of the year. Yeah, exactly. Better than Clinton Dix. Yeah, and, and even if he wasn't, I just want him on the team. Yeah. Dallas at the Giants. Who you got there? Matt Castle to start. Oh, right. I'll take the Giants then. <laughs> Giants at home, I, I, I think they're, uh, they're, they're probably going to win that division, I would think. This is a game you've got to win if you're going to do that. How cathartic would that be if the Giants won that division, came to Lambeau in the divisional round, and we just kicked the crap out of them? Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, yeah, we didn't, almost didn't think we'd get that shot again. Yeah. I don't know if I want that shot again. I mean, it's great no. in theory, because that's what we thought in 2011, and it didn't quite work out, but I'll agree with you. I think the Giants are going to win. I, uh, I I felt bad for Dallas at first because it felt like they were a really good team that was snake-bitten, but then their defense has been so atrocious the last three weeks. And Brandon Whedon didn't play that bad against the Falcons, and they still gave the game away. So um, I don't think they're I, – I was I didn't suspect they were going to be that good anyways, and then after two weeks it didn't feel that way, and now um, I think we were all right that Dallas was maybe a, a one-hit wonder last year. Philadelphia at Carolina on Sunday Night Football. Yuck, yuck. Next week's going to be the worst. Yeah, yeah this is not a great week. Um, I, I guess I can go first here. I'll, I've This is going to be the week it, it backfires on me here. I'm finally going to pick Carolina, I think. <laughs> I, that, that Philly offense, other than last week, has been really held down, and you're facing probably the best defense you've seen so far. Mm-hmm. I think that those two linebackers, Davis and Keekly, are a really good matchup against this offense. Um, so I, I think I'll take Carolina at home to keep the undefeated streak alive. That was last year, right, when Sanchez just terrorized Carolina uh, as oh. an eagle on Monday Night Football? Oh, oh no, was it? That might make me want to change my pick. Well, I think, yeah, I want to look up Carolina's defense real quick. I don't remember that game. Uh, six in points, four, seventh in yards allowed. So I think they're a bit better this year, but whew, I'll take Carolina too, I guess. Baltimore at Arizona is the Monday night game. <laughs> Baltimore oh. is so bad this year. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take Arizona. I mean, what can you say about Baltimore? They're not really good at anything anymore. They're a team that's built around Joe Flacco, and he's the average quarterback we kind of all thought he was, other than a good playoff run. I, Arizona's been disappointing the last couple of weeks, but I still think they're a whole lot better than Baltimore, especially at a Monday night at home. Yeah, Baltimore beat Pittsburgh in overtime, or they'd be zero and six. I mean, that's just insane. I know they lost. They a look of like it too. They look terrible. Yeah, and yesterday especially to just get completely manhandled by the 49ers is is ridiculous. So yeah, I'm definitely taking Arizona here. All right, so the Packers have a bye week coming up, and usually that's one of my favorite weeks of the year because you get a bunch of stress-free football, but apparently we're going to get saddled with some of the worst games of the season. I hope somehow we'll get some wacky CBS game sent to us. I'm sure we'll get the Jets in New England, but, you know, that, that Cleveland-St. Louis game kind of looks good. I hope yeah, we get throw that. throw that our way. I'd watch that. Yeah, definitely. I know I'm positive that we're going to get Minnesota and Detroit on uh, Fox 11 for me up in the Green Bay affiliate, uh, whatever Fox is for you out there. 
So when we now enter the bye week, the Packers are 6-0. and They have a lot of unanswered questions. They have a lot of areas of improvement, but they're 6-0, and and that's a rare position for the Packers. All other times, other than 2011, that the Packers have been 6-0, and they've won a championship. I'm not going to oh. say that's, happened this, that's going to happen this year, but the fact that they're 6-0 and despite not quite playing their best football has me quite optimistic, and I'm glad they have the, the bye weeks coming at the exact right time, but... Uh, I think this is going to be fun going down the stretch. Yeah, well, a lot of wins coming down the road here. Yeah, just get through this tough little two-game stretch, and all of a sudden you're uh, you're looking pretty darn good for a for a first-round bye. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Carolina. I even if they lost to Carolina, it would it would not be good. But I, I don't know if Carolina is going to go like 14 and two. That seems kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I, it's still hard to be too threatened by Cam Newton in that team right now until you see it a little bit longer. He just, I mean, he's been what he's been the last few years, and all of a sudden he seems like he's starting to carry that team a little bit more, and mm-hmm. maybe he needs to start getting some credit. So yeah. I, th- that defense scares me a little bit now, maybe more than it did a few weeks ago when I said that I wasn't scared of them in the playoffs, <laughs> but I, I still like the Green Bay a lot, whether going to Carolina or in Lambeau. I read something that Cam Newton is a legit MVP candidate, and then I looked up his stats. He's got like an 83 passer rating. Yeah, so but he's also he's done a lot of running too, hasn't he? Probably. Yeah, he's got like 250 yards, but still, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, outside of that Colin Kaepernick game in the 2011 playoffs, I don't think you're going to necessarily lose running. And and Cam Newton, I don't even think is as good of an athlete from a speed standpoint as uh, Colin Kaepernick is. But no. yeah, he's he's like. He was He's like what Vince Young could have been had he not been a head case and actually improved his game as he gone on. Yeah. I, pretty much. All right, I need to share some of the things that were uh, commented on by our fans on the Green and Gold Forever podcast uh, Facebook page. So Daniel Johnson talked about that uh, Redskins uh, uh, play with Hunter Smith, which we addressed before, and then he also shared that awesome video about the Colts' trick play on Tecmo. Corey Bend had some thoughts on the Packer game, and he said, Really glad we have a bye this week. The Packers are a 6-0 team that has a lot of problems to address. The defense can't seem to put a complete effort together consistently. Last week they couldn't stop the run. This week they couldn't stop the pass. Phillip Rivers is a criminally underrated quarterback, but he doesn't throw for 500 yards every week. Offensively, I don't know. I guess I can't diagnose it, but something's just off. Aaron doesn't look off his game, or Aaron looks off his game because no one is getting open downfield, or is he genuinely rattled? I felt like we should be leaning on the running game a bit more but it turns out that we're running it almost as much as we throw so i don't really have a solution for our offensive struggles but the week off might help the team find it also ha 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 the seahawks suck and then he gave the xd which i think is like the cartman laugh face yeah i think so (laughs) and then i want to say that right now knowing they're fully capable of going nine and one down the stretch and entering the playoffs as the nfc's scariest team we'll enjoy it while it lasts so we we touched upon the seattle thing before and um yeah, I think you're right in a lot of aspects. There's a lot of unknowns going on with this team going forward, but you know, um, they're six and zero, so I guess I'll I'll just uh, be happy with that for now. And then Chris Stanzel said, "I take full responsibility for the defense playing the way they did." I knew once I posted my comments on the game that they were doomed. Uh, even Eric called it out during last week's show. I'll just keep my mouth shut from now on. Still thrilled about the exciting win and looking forward towards the bye and showdown with Denver. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I think we knew the defense would kind of come back to the pack a little bit uh, eventually, but maybe not quite as drastically as they did yesterday. That Denver build is going to be kind of annoying, I think. The the Denver what? The build to the Denver game with two Oh, leads. yeah, yeah. They were already yeah, starting it, on ESPN. 
It, it, sh- it should be a good game, though. <laughs> I, I, it'll be annoying to hear the comparisons between probably Peyton then and Rodgers now and like, hear about that for a <laughs> week, but it, it should be a heck of a game. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so next week, I'm not sure what we're going to do yet, but next week is our 100th episode, so I don't know if we're going to do a clip show or, or what <laughs> what we're going to do, but... We could just drink a whole bunch of champagne before we start the show and see how it goes. I think we should do that. I've, celebrate. I've never been able to like shake a champagne bottle and then pop the cork. Perhaps I should do that. There you go. Yeah, I don't think I have either. It's more of an outdoors kind of a thing. You don't want to break stuff. Well, I mean, and it would provide a tremendous audio-only experience, wouldn't That's it? That's true. So <laughs> I don't know what we'll do, but tune in. Um, if you want to comment on anything that we talked about, uh, go to the Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. Um, also, being that it's our 100th episode approaching, you can go listen to, I would say, all 99 episodes leading to the 100th episode. They're all on greengoldforever.podbean.com. That's the number four. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Green Gold Forever on Twitter. Uh, and KZ Radio, we're not going to be doing a Green and Gold Forever segment on KZ this week due to the bye week, but it's still a great station with some of the best hits of the 80s and 90s, so I would suggest checking it out. So we talked quite a bit about a lot of stuff, and uh, we're going to go into the bye in the 100th episode, and we'll see where that takes us. So for Matt in Altoona, I'm Eric in Appleton. Take care, everyone.